0: Welcome to our podcast, Barriers to Bridges. I'm Melissa
1: Baco, I'm currently an assistant principal at Santiago High School. And I'm Dana Barron, I'm a teacher on special assignment in science and STEM, and we both work in the lovely Corona Norco Unified School District. Barriers
0: to Bridges is on a mission to share stories of leaders in education who break down barriers and build bridges of opportunity, not only for themselves, but for others around them.
1: We have another exciting episode planned for y'all today in honor of kicking off Student Mental Health Week next week. Today we have on two high school counselors. One was a bonus surprise I'm from Centennial High School. The first one is Josh Godinez, and he brought along one of his co-counselors with him, Alexis Goddard. And you will hear how passionate they are about student mental health. Um, in the beginning, you will hear a little bit about josh's story and how he was brought up and what really led him to be so passionate about student connection and student resources around uh, student mental health and then advocating for counselors and really educating the public on what they do and what their job entails and then at the end of this episode they share all the exciting things they have planned uh, really at a state level for Student Mental Health Week. I think it's a very timely topic and there are a lot of practical resources that are shared in this episode and we hope you enjoy.
0: Well, we are excited because we have Mr. Josh Godinez um, on our podcast today, and he is a counselor at Centennial High School, which is one of our comprehensive high schools in CNUSD. Not only that, Josh is big time. He (laughs) is the president of the California Association of School Counselors. So he is bringing knowledge not only of CNUSD, but knowledge of state direction of school counseling. And we are super excited to have you join Thank us you. today. So before we go, we kind of like to introduce how we well, I know you. So um, we're going to go way back. I don't even know what year it was. Maybe 2007 is when um, Josh and I met. And we were both teachers at uh, Summit High School in Fontana Unified. And we worked and had mutual friends and kind of became a, our little teacher clique. Doing things, hung out not Your only our circle, our circle. Yeah, in our free time on the weekends, you know, it was our our good time group um, <laughs> to kind of our group that we used to, uh, you know, de stress and get ready for go the next hiking week. together. Yes, that's exactly what we did. We <laughs> went hiking together every weekend. So that's how I met Josh in. I, it's funny because we always say at one day our whole circle is going to be back together somewhere in education because we're all trying to, we all have the same mission in education and our why is very closely aligned to do what's best for kids. But I remember when I moved to be athletic director, actually it was even before when the new high school was getting built, Josh and I talked about, oh, wouldn't that be cool if you were an administrator and he just got his PPS, mm-hmm. and he's like, and I'm a counselor over there, and we opened the school. We, you know, we were dreaming big. did it into the universe. Yeah. When put, you're putting your dream team together. Yeah. Yep. We were just like, <laughs> wouldn't this be super cool if you started the athletic program, I started the counseling program, it's a new school. You know, we were dreaming big dreams, thinking neither one of us, I don't think <laughs> yeah. any, neither one of us oh. even thought that it was going to happen and then it was i think i got the job first you did and then it was a good like four or five months. you were on
2: my interview panel
0: that's right oh i totally forgot
1: you were on about my that so panel. i
0: was like four or five months at the district office because we didn't even have a school built yet they were still doing um construction in uh yeah, I for totally forgot about that. So I can say I inter- I started your counseling career. You, <laughs> you can take credit. <laughs> you I'm totally did. I'm totally taking credit for you now because I totally forgot I was on your <laughs> your panel. Which I would have been because I think there was only like four of us hired. So there at wouldn't that have point. been anybody else. But yeah, so what we put into the universe chit chatting on the weekends and in passing period actually came true. We both worked at Haruba Hills as the athletic director and as a counselor, what we thought it was. And then here we are both in the same district. So, you know, Josh is a lifelong friend of mine and I love that our paths are crossing again with student, uh, you know, social, emotional and student mental health. And over the course of the last couple of years, we got to work together even closely again even though we're at different sites so i'm super, felt
2: great super it's always excited. funny in the district that people look and go wait wait how do you two know each other <laughs> <laughs> oh we go way back way back how much time do you have people
1: don't down? know i i've i only know you from facebook live because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. i was telling him that i you know i like to keep in touch with with what teachers are so I want to keep in touch with what they're saying what the community's saying what what high schools are doing and so I just like popped into one of your your school Facebook lives and that's kind of how I met you yeah. <laughs> it's <on Facebook>. <laughs> it's Facebook but it was Live really good you know, yes. I was like oh they're already professionals at this this is the whole other hat That high school, well, schools in general, everyone became actors and actresses on YouTube Live and Facebook Live or whatever you were doing.
2: And IT specialists over the last yes. year and a half. That's one thing that we continue to talk about is how much growth have we done. What we have done in one year would have taken normally 15 years of layered professional development in order to get us to be not even where we are, but close to where we are. Yeah. And because of everything, and that's you know something that we continue to forget to highlight that we really need to highlight. We go into everything with such a deficit model, you know, with all the learning loss and we're focusing Mm -hmm. and and it's real and it's there and we do need to acknowledge it. But at the same time, what about the learning gain? You know, what about the resilience of our students Mm -hmm. and really taking that and shifting that mindset so that we can look at it from an empowerment vision as opposed to a deficit vision.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny, I actually had a conversation, and we'll get to your story and stuff, but I had a conversation <laughs> with my principal about that exact thing. Like, it almost to the point annoys me that this learning loss, this learning loss, this learning loss, and just like you said, yes, it's there. I mean, we're not gonna, I'm not, I'm not brushing it under the rug saying it doesn't exist, yeah. but it doesn't exist for all. No. Because There are, in our teachers, kids and teachers, staff, I mean, our clericals, our custodians, everybody, things that they have gained over the last 14 months.
2: So let's talk about that because we go back to the foundation of education, right? Mm -hmm. And we know as former teachers, because we were former teachers before we've gone into these new positions, what we've lost is content, But what is the foundation of education? The foundation of education is to become an effective communicator, to become a problem solver, to be able to articulate thought and feeling. Mm -hmm. I don't know that we've lost that through the pandemic. And if we take it to the core of what education is about then we really can focus more on the game. Because yes, we've lost content, but we haven't lost skill. We've actually enhanced and evolutionized skill.
1: Right, it's too kind of what you said. It triggered me a little bit with Brene Brown's research and when she talks about feeling shame. And when you start from a deficit mentality, you automatically, like if you're being, like I feel parent shame all the time because my kindergartner, I have a kindergartner this year who hated all things Zoom. So mid-year, we, we put him in live instruction basically all day long. Totally flipped the switch. Loved school again. But um, unintentionally, we, we hear a lot like he should be on list so-and-so, and by this time of year, he should know this by this time of year. And it's it's been really challenging for me as a parent because I automatically go to that shame cycle where I'm like, oh, I should be doing more. I should be working. I don't know. So for me, that when you said that, starting from the deficit model, instead of, wow, they already know this, 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 and this.
2: Changes everything.
1: Yeah, it totally... Changes
2: everything,
0: mindset. Yeah, love it. Tell us about you. (laughs) So where did Josh Cadenas begin? Where (laughs) Where did it all begin? begin?
2: (laughs) How much time do we have? No, um,
0: you have less than enough. No, just kidding.
2: so hard for me brevity is not my friend
1: Um, (laughs) anyone in education (laughs) right ain't
2: that the truth um well i grew up in the palm springs area and i am part of a generational family down there that my grandparents uh both sides were there by the mid-50s my dad's parents were there a little bit earlier it was an interesting time growing up you know in palm springs I had a lot of issue with understanding who I was. My dad was Mexican, my mom was white. And as we are seeing today, the conversation has come full circle as society has had a reckoning with understanding, you know, um, just structural racism and having conversations about, you know, race and and not saying that that was necessarily my experience, but self-identity was really my experience growing up because I grew up in a working class community, primarily Latino, but you know, you just didn't quite feel like you fit in one way or the other. Mm -hmm. It was really interesting going through school because I had all of these supports there on both sides, but culturally trying to understand who I was, was a struggle ever since kindergarten. But growing up, one thing that I learned was that I needed to create my own identity. I needed to create my own path and I'd figure it out along the way what that meant. And luckily I had a lot of really solid educators who encouraged that and encouraged the idea of that we needed to dream bigger and reach higher than anything. Once you set the bar, set it even higher tomorrow. And um, one of the life lessons of one of my earliest uh, mentors, my elementary school principal, said to me is always remember that leadership is about opportunity. And the harder that you work now, the more opportunity will open later in life. And I, I held on to that from elementary school because I thought that's powerful. And with that, understanding that there will be obstacles and we'll all have obstacles and our obstacles will all be different based on a variety of different factors and going back to that self-identity and realizing that was an obstacle within myself that I needed to work through to understand how I fit in really empowered me because it gave me the sense that I wanted to help other people always feel like they fit in. So I think that I was on a trajectory to be an educator very early on in life. Before you even knew it. Before I even knew (laughs) it. But it
0: it goes back, we always talk about, you think about educators, why are they educators? Because they had that probably one educator or two educators or three educators that were so impactful in their Mm -hmm. life. Yeah they kind of set. Me,
1: you have mentors yeah
0: that. Absolutely. and it's like Interacted oh i want to be you. that person
2: so it'll come as no surprise i was a treasurer of the elementary school in fourth grade <laughs> then I, I have this thing about new schools so then in fifth grade a new school opens in the neighborhood that i live in new elementary school and my principal was moving to the new school so how convenient that it happens to be in the neighborhood that i live in that i'm district for this new school and i get to go with my principal so guess who the first president of the new elementary school i was just gonna say and was. josh became the president there not even, I was. No, not
0: even you, knowing the story i was gonna you, say josh
1: became
2: president so <laughs> yeah what i thought was interesting is in fourth grade once i became the treasurer of the school we ran the student store, but there was never an adult in there. And I oh, we always <laughs> thought we were so grown. That
0: would because, not happen nowadays. No, it would
2: definitely not happen now. But I'm thinking, wow, here we are at what, 10, 11, running a whole business out of a student store? Money. And, I mean, my, and it, was, I mean, it was. It was embezzlement, money. Who
0: cares? Right? Yeah.
2: I mean, thank goodness State we were.
0: Funds, nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, you know, I think back like how grown I thought I was and how grown I was not. But it (laughs) It really, I mean, it it prepared you for understanding responsibility and leadership. And, of course, fast forward, you get to high school – I was involved as I could be, you know, I was more of the arts person, not so much the sports person, but, um, I was senior class vice president. I got voted most likely to be president when we grew up. I didn't know what that meant at that point. Yeah. I don't know that they were Did they thinking, talk? Maybe
0: they were talking about school counselors. Well, that's, <laughs> I, I'm like, I
2: didn't realize that I went to school with a bunch of prophets at that point, but you know what? I can give it up to them now because they it were happened. right. It happened. <laughs> And so, from high school, I went on uh, to UCR, ended up realizing um, through UCR, because I ended up working a whole bunch of different jobs. I worked at a newspaper as a marketing specialist. I Helped co-host part-time a radio show with one of my friends um, when I was off work there. Because that explained
1: loved, your radio voice. I <laughs>
2: love media. It's funny the you voice. You have
1: a radio voice. It's just you there. You really so, do. Yeah.
2: but that—that's what it was. So I did a whole bunch of different things along the way. So, you
0: went to college knowing you were going to be an educator, I went or you were trying to figure it out still.
2: Thinking I was either going to be an educator, an entertainer, or I was going to work in some sort of marketing fashion. Hmm.
0: Okay.
2: So what I understood through the journey, because then I was working while I was in school. So this was my summers, was being the radio. Well, the radio host gig kind of continued throughout because they would send me to concerts, which was great because it ended up being a shtick. I can't hear half the time anyway. And so here I am sitting eighth row at the Mariah Carey concert. She's singing her heart out. I'm trying to do a live remote. I can't hear them. So they're asking questions, so tell us about uh, the dress that she's wearing right now, (laughs) and my response would be, what? Yeah, no, it's a great time. There's a lot of people here. you know. And so the questions never matched my answers because I couldn't hear them, so I just kept talking. And really, the listeners loved it. So that's how I got to stay on and go to all these fun concerts. Um, I it was genuine.
1: I would have loved that job. It
2: was genuine, and that when was just When you said it. that,
1: I hear Mariah in my head. Oh, it was
2: great. It was great. But then I got to work in Riverside in in one of their uh, inner city community centers. It was called the Community Settlement House and it actually was developed part of the Jane Addams Movement with the settlement houses across the United States. So this settlement house had been there for nearly a hundred years at that point. And really it is a place that provides social services to families and residents and we have one i believe in corona as well
0: settlement house yeah, yeah a yeah. settlement house yep.
2: here so those are the two in our area and they had an after school program and i started as a volunteer and ended up within the four years being the coordinator but really that's where i honed in on life is not about making money life is about purpose and making a difference. And so I realized that going into education, I could take all of those skills, the marketing uh-huh. skills, the radio skills, the acting skills, and turn it into a profession. And that was teaching because I had a dedicated audience every day. And as long as I delivered good material, yeah. I could engage them.
1: Yeah, Even like we were talking about the Facebook Live, like everything has morphed now where you connect with the public, or you connect with your parents, or you connect with your community in such different ways now. And so you're talking about the marketing. The, these are all skills now that schools need. Marketing, and then you need the, the radio voice, and then communication. You need the communication connection. connection. You need to know you have purpose, and you need to know your values. So you're, like, literally, like, this is all connecting. I'm, like, oh, mind blown. Well, and people absolutely loved him as a teacher.
0: He was a fabulous teacher. And because of that, the conne- I, going back to the connection piece, I mean, that's why your kids showed up every day Yeah. is connections.
2: We had a great time. You know, it was I mean, funny. he was
0: smart. I don't want to. He's I'm very intelligent on, yeah, yeah. on, yeah. on his you subject. Was,
2: I was government, econ, yeah. U.S. history, okay. world history, and peer counseling. He
0: did everything.
2: And anything else they wanted me. I had honors all the way to EL ones. So because oh, yes. I I got everybody because my room was open to everybody. Everybody.
0: You are yeah. absolutely well and I had so at the time at Summit, I was teaching special ed. Mm-hmm. So there would be kids where I'd be like, Hey Josh, can I do you have room third period? I want to send a kid because I think they can do before we even did a schedule mm-hmm. change, we'd have a kid sit in the class for a week to see if we mm-hmm. could, if it would be more beneficial, because I knew the kid was getting nothing in my special ed class, if the kid would get something, he never turned a kid away.
2: Never, never. and, I, and I it wouldn't. didn't
0: matter. And yeah. he would try, and if it wasn't successful, it wasn't for lack of resources or time or effort. Um, and the kids loved him.
2: Yeah, we had a great time. You know, one thing that I learned, and and I spent 10 years as adjunct faculty at Claremont graduate too, working with beginning teachers. And one thing that I always made sure that they understood was low stress equals high retention. and. That's important because before every mm. test, we had a class song that we would adopt every year. And every single one of my, because I had seniors for the most part, I would get like one U.S. history or one world right. where I needed it. But I was the senior government and econ teacher. And oddly enough, I shared my students with Mrs. Beryl, Dr. Burrill, who is now my boss because she was the <laughs> senior English teacher. Yep. So what we would do before every test is we would take that, class adopted song. So one year it was lean on me, let's say. Mm -hmm. And I would tell them, okay, have a good time with it. Entertain me. And the more entertained I am, (laughs) the more I'm just going to take down. So let's say the test was 25 questions. I'll take it out of 23. And what they don't know is that For me, it's low stress equals high retention. I'm Uh getting them to step outside of the box and have some fun before they go into a testing situation so that they're in the right mindset and the test isn't intimidating them because how often do we send kids in? It's quiet. You feel the intensity and the thickness of the room. Yeah, and then you can
1: get all in your own head too and like your blood pressure goes up and your heart starts beating. You haven't even started the test yet. (laughs)
2: Right, so by the end of the year, I mean, they had costumes. It never failed. There would be streamers. And there, I mean, stuff would be flying. It would start small, right? But by the end of the year, it was a full-on production in every period. And again, even now, I'll get my alumni, and we're talking, you know, 10, 15, 20 years later.
1: Yeah.
2: Lean on me will come on the radio, and I'll get a random Facebook message. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, gee. Uh, Lean on me just came on. Uh-huh. It took me back. Wow, those were such fun memories, yeah. uh-huh. you know. And so, yeah. You know, the I had power great... of
1: music, too. Absolutely. As a, as a coping mechanism and a way to, like, lower yeah. the, the, ang- stress, uh-huh. the stress and the anxiety. Yeah. I had
2: such a great time being a teacher. But the one thing that I realized along my journey was that being a peer counseling teacher provided me with another opportunity. And I, I felt that that was going to be the next step not by choice but by destiny and so really i knew i had to go back to get the pps and so i went back so I, here i am full-time adjunct well part-time adjunct at claremont graduate full-time teacher running a peer counseling program and teaching and going did i say going to school full-time i'm doing all of this right you know but it, it was great. It was fun. I never slept, but and it was a lot of fun. And still hanging out with me. And still hanging out, yeah, with <laughs> Dr. Beko and everybody else.
1: Going hiking. Else, and enjoying Dr. Burrill and yep. hiking. Oh, yeah, the
2: stories that we have. So <laughs> so I realized in my classroom when all of a sudden, you know, I was getting everybody's kids. A kid would walk in crying. I'm right in the middle of teaching the three branches oh, of yeah, government. Because they
1: connect with you.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. I realized, you know, I really mm, need to look at this full too. time.
1: But I loved that. Yeah, I love that yeah. kids felt they could he come to me. He was their to person. Me. Yeah, like you, we yeah, all did. I same think yeah. thing. Why were all I where still we remember were. some of those because yeah. the yeah. kid was in such like. I still remember a kid coming in because she locked her keys in her car and the car was still running. I still remember that story. Isn't she that comes to my room. I don't know what to do.
2: <laughs> so the irony is, so then we go through uh, the opening of this new school, and we go through. She's already hired. She, she's had her picture in the paper. You can probably still Google it, and she's standing there on the court. Yep, I remember the picture well. In
0: my well. fancy dress, and I had a great hair. Day. And I
2: go to this interview, oh, and I'll never forget because— <laughs> We'll edit that
0: out. No, I'm
1: just kidding. <laughs>
2: My old boss, who was one of our assistant principals, and I never let him live this down, even today because I'm still in contact with him. We were sitting in the interview, and what Fontana had said, and she's the one that called me and said, go for the interview because they think they're going to pick the head counselor and then the other counselors from that pool. So right. it might just be one interview. And I said, okay. And I'm thinking, this is a really odd way of doing things. I've never even been a counselor and I'm going to show up to, okay. Yeah. So I, did. so the funny thing was, I'm sitting in this head counselor interview, right? And they think I've lost my marble. She knows me, but the other people on the panel have never worked with me yeah. before. Josh,
0: I have never been a counselor, but I want to
2: be head. But I want head. to be your, at a brand new school and open it and know exactly what I'm doing. So I, I explained to him, I said, I have experience in education and I'm a hard worker. And I promise you, if I get the opportunity to open this school, I will make you proud and I will be the best counselor that you've ever seen. And I was like, I don't know what that means yet, but that sounds like <laughs> a good answer. It sounds will, like a great answer. I will answer. do that. Yeah. And so now, I mean, it, what was funny is the head counselor. So I get the job. The head counselor leaves a year and a half into it. I... So the they job. do.
1: They do hire a head counselor, they do. and they do hire you from that pool. Like they. So oh. They
2: had to re-fly. So and he had here he is sitting
1: again. So it, here I am again. But they already knew you, but they at this did point. from yeah. that
2: point. And I had heard yeah. the interview questions, which helped me prepare. Right. So when I walked in, I went, "Here's my evidence. Here's A, B, C, D. Ugh. Any anything else? Thank you. Have a good afternoon." So <laughs>
0: to the same panel.
2: To by the exact menu. same panel. The exact same panel. So what? but. It's so funny. It's
0: all coming back to me. Yeah. Like the whole process.
2: So I I get the call that I get the job. And within a week, I accept. And I also get named by Summit, the most inspirational teacher of the year. (laughs) So talk about the irony in that by the Mm -hmm. school. I'm like, thank you all. It's been great. Oh, and I opened that school too. I'm leaving. Bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah. And um, So it was so funny. But
1: good leaders have to spread their wings.
2: Yeah. Yeah, 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 and and, good and leaders need to spread. What their was, was interesting, for and me, it was
0: part of our plan that we already planned six months so, prior. Uh, <laughs> yeah. we, we had Baco this. had those puppets. We strings, already. I, it wasn't mine. It was both of our You're puppets. We right, right. totally had this plan when the school was going to open. We had a plan. This is what we're going to do. Yeah,
2: <laughs> so I get there, and I I'm excited because I get to one learn what it means to be a counselor have ninth and 10th graders, which means I can't mess it up that bad because I have time to fix it, and then help to build culture and to me it's all about that connectedness. It totally and is. so then they're building things and the one thing that I thought was exciting. So in high school I went to a school that was a couple of years old. They didn't have an alma mater and I was in the choir and I thought well let me try and write one. Mm-hmm. Why not? Because again, you know, you're only limited to what limits you place on yourself and you can overcome sure. obstacles as long as you continue to work to overcome them. Yes. But they didn't like my alma mater in high school. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. So then I get to Summit. We got to Summit. And I'm on the team of three that writes the alma mater for Summit High mm-hmm. School, which is great. It's a great alma mater. Of and course then, it is. You yes, wrote it. Right? <laughs> I love the words. And then I get to Harupa Hills and... I'm like, oh my gosh, they need a great alma mater. <laughs> so I write an alma mater. He
0: says, I know a guy. Yep, <laughs> and yep. points at himself. And
2: I, I, I get it adopted. So actually, two of the alma maters in Fontana Unified are alma maters. One that I was on a team for. The second one, I put people on the team. It, it gets adopted. But long story short, I love that. So anyways, so I end up being the head counselor a year and a half later. And then we go through the recession and it has this idea that they're going to cut every single counselor K-12 because at that point, we were still in in no fault to, there, there were school counselors and then there were guidance counselors. And guidance counselors mm. of the old helped guide students but didn't understand the importance of data, didn't understand the importance of looking at your data to build programs to service students they understood we're going to help you get to college we're going to help you get to work and we're going to focus on that well there are a lot of misnomers about what counselors do out there because. There of totally that.
1: is, yeah. And
2: with that said, had this idea that we could cut our counselors because really the high school counselors just do schedule changes and the other ones just deal with kids that cry. That was the, the yeah. idea. We'll save $6 million because we're going into a great recession. We're going to hire people out of high school to do their job. Well, what they realized within a quarter. Is how much school counselors really did. Yeah. And so they ended up hiring school counselors back. We had to go re interview for our jobs. Essentially, and so, they
0: hired, and not a knock, essentially, they hired brand new clerks. Right. That with, didn't know, didn't have any knowledge of transcripts, of course sequencing, um, you know. N- Needs for application for getting into universities. Basically, they hired them and said, "Put them in classes," right? But didn't give them any of they the background. They trained
2: them how to use the system, system
0: but they had but no they background had no content knowledge. knowledge. Yes.
2: And so I would be in the middle of now. I'm back in the classroom teaching my world history class, mm-hmm. um, getting the phone call like, "Hey, I've got this kid. Can you help me?" And of course, I'm going to help them. Those poor people. They weren't set up for success. No. right. You know, and so I, I was. I was helping them along the way. So then we get put back in under different job titles because... that was like,
0: what, one semester, right? They did that? You guys got brought back at the semester? We
2: got brought back at the quarter. Quarter, okay. At the quarter. What people don't realize, just like administrators, right, that counselors have a specialty area, and that is how to deal with academics, how uh-huh. to deal with life after high school, and how to deal with mental health and social emotional uh-huh. learning. The liability that we have in making sure you know that students mental, where you had to make a decision, do I protect my profession or do I take care of kids? Let me take care of kids and then figure out how to advocate for my profession. And that's the route yeah. that I took. So I ended up back at the quarter because then they realized, oh, there was much more than just crying kids, quote unquote, as an academic um pathway advisor so i got to deal with academics and college and career but if you had a a troubled moment even though i was qualified i had to send you down the way to the other counselor because they they can deal with your social emotional not me so weird
1: but one of the things we focus on now is supporting professional development like that's my main hat that i wear and kind of what we were talking about earlier for me is collaboration Because if your district office, your admin at your site, your teachers are all collaborating with you as the counselor, they know the value of your job. And then they want, they know they can't do, they can't live without you. And so that's where, that's the piece that I feel like for me, they just didn't know what you did. Because otherwise, why would they? Why would they ever think that they couldn't live without you, right? right. Well, so uh, there had to be some silos, major silos going on, is what I'm assuming at this point. Because
2: Yeah, so really what you end up seeing is that the guidance counselor of old is... Realizing, oh my gosh, we did get cut because they not in a million years thought that they would get cut. And you had a number of school counselors like, there are great people in the school counseling profession Mm -hmm. and they've come a long way. And I think that the district went through almost a professional reckoning, understanding the Mm -hmm. value of the school counselor, the modern school counselor. And so all of those great people got to come back and it helped other people realize that, data is important, making sure, because as a teacher, when I was in the classroom, we have standards, you know, we have benchmarks, we have, it's all built into the educational structure that we are somehow assessed. But when people don't understand what you do because you're a support provider, and it becomes at that point your responsibility to not only help people understand, to write that story, because one thing that... I know now if we don't write our own story, somebody else is going to. But nobody mm-hmm. understands your story as well as you do. Yeah. And so that is why now I go across the state talking to school counselors about the importance of promoting your impact because your impact is there. Yeah. When you are an effective school counselor and you run an effective school counseling program, the impact speaks for itself. All you have to do is share it. So.
1: That's where we're not good in education. That's where we're not because, good. Because well, because
2: right, we're not self-promoters. I think,
1: I think most of us, it's our heart because we are humble. Right. We we are in education not for anything other than to help.
2: And if right, people, people don't
1: and so then we don't toot our own horns. Right. We don't talk about our work, or I would even go a step further to say we don't know how to talk about our work. And, like, this is why we start started the podcast. Yeah. It's a way to talk about your work that's not braggadocious, that it's just this is the value that all these pieces bring to kids. Absolutely. I don't like, and, and we're not, That is we just, we have a hard time with
2: that in education. <laughs> that people, right. People need to understand, have the permission to brag because you're not yeah. bragging. Your work impacts students positively. So mm-hmm. you're not bragging about, look how wonderful I am. You're bragging about, look at how much better our students' educational experience is yeah. because we exist. Mm-hmm. So when you realize that is your focus, then it makes it more comfortable to go out and say it's not about me. It's, yes, a little bit about what I've done, but really the impact on our students is the focus and always should be the focus. And so coming back in, once we got back in, that's where the advocacy set in with me, was if I don't work to help people understand the profession, and even within our own profession, help people understand our evolution, then what am I doing? I have no reason to complain. And if I get let go again, it's because I didn't do my part, or I can't sleep at night feeling like I didn't do my part. So I became an advocate, and became an advocate to get the counselors back to get more days because they, they weren't even gonna give us more days to get a school year ready because in their eyes, well, how are you any different than the teacher? You can show mm-hmm. up the day before and school's gonna start okay, well, what classes are they going to be in? Yeah. When you run that master schedule, who's going to make sure that it's balanced and right? right? You know, Because our teaching colleagues depend on us mm-hmm. to make sure the classes are as um, ready to go on that first day as possible. And that they're placed yeah. correctly. We're, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> our teachers are our valued partners. So if we yeah. walk in and go, well, we're just getting here too, yeah. we're not taking care of our colleagues and yeah. friends. Yeah. And so that's how I ended up on this road to becoming the California association of school counseling president, because then people knowing the advocacy said, Hey, can you join the state board? Long story short, the answer was yes. And slowly here I am today. Yeah. I didn't know that I was going to join it in the middle of a pandemic, social uprising and government. The hardest time
1: to be in education. Hey, here I am. (laughs) Yes.
2: And, and that's, that catches you up to today.
0: So leading into that, You've brought a friend with you today. And really important piece kicking off May 10th, and I know this will be the second year I believe you guys are doing it. Correct. Is that Student Mental Health Week? so if you want to introduce your phone a friend
2: absolutely (laughs) so let me let me give just a little bit of context last year as we went into the pandemic we've known that may is mental health awareness month but one thing that we as school counselors across the nation started taught not the well the nation too but really here in california was we really in the mental health Awareness Month, never really talk about students. Well, going off with COVID, Mm -hmm. we started to see a rise in stress, anxiety, depression, a drop in CPS reports. And we thought, Mm -hmm. wow, we need to focus on our students. And so that gave birth to the first California Student Mental Health Week. And this year, uh, thanks to Assemblymember O'Donnell, California has invested in this, and hopefully this becomes perpetual so that we have an entire week to continue to talk about mental health.
1: And then that spurs the movement to be more than just a week. Absolutely. To be a conversation that people <laughs> have all the time. Student mental health is every day. Well, every day. you know 10th like, through people the People don't understand <laughs> that it takes a focused effort like yeah. a week and then it, like Earth Day. Right. You know, and then people start talking about it all the yeah. time and then it,
2: And it's so layered. It's not just about students. It's what can we do for students? How do we help prepare and arm our parents with tools so that they can talk to their children? Mm -hmm. How do we help our colleagues in education, whether they be teachers or administrators, help to focus in on making sure that all students are happy, safe, and healthy? And I can go on forever, but let me introduce (laughs) the amazing... (laughs) Alexis Goddard, who is not only another California Association of School Counselor Board of Director, she is also the co-chair of the Outreach and Engagement Committee that puts together a lot of these tools and resources behind the scenes for California and has the distinct honor of being a husky ride along with me and I am lucky to call her my co-counselor at Centennial High School. So ladies and gentlemen, Alexis Godwin. Well
3: thank you. That's I, like I, know. I, know. I know with his radio voice I know. and that I, know. Fancy, I feel like I'm like shabow or
2: curtsy.
0: So I have to tell you Alexis I was really excited when Josh showed up just now to record and you were here because so I'm going to give a little of how I know a lecture through Josh. Our paths have crossed just through different SEL stuff with the district. And I love the, everything you both are doing. But thank
3: you for coming. and Yeah, well, and, you there. and Student Mental Health Week, I'm really excited because it's really embracing our role as school counselors, too, with supporting student mental health that we're moving away from the guidance counselor of only this is all we do. We really focus on all three areas and supporting that student mental health and especially over this pandemic, regardless of if you were comfortable before, you're gonna have to get comfortable and really make sure your students are taken care of. And I know we've talked right before this about, you know if you have a student at high school who is on track for A through D and now they're failing, there's a lot more social-emotional going yes. on. And with all of our kids who have struggled this last year, it has really brought to light how much we need to talk about mental health as a part of our health and not just our physical health, but taking care of our mind and who we are. Mm-hmm. And so with California Student Mental Health Week, um, Cask and the Outreach and Engagement Committee has put together a toolkit for um, educators to use. So it includes um, a lot of lessons and curriculum. It also includes social media campaigns that you can push out because we all know our students love social media. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And it also includes staff and parent presentations that you can use at your sites. So these are ready-to-go curriculums and lessons. Um, And on top of that, we're providing professional development. So the professional development goes from, um, it's covered not all wounds are visible, so race-based trauma and equity-centered trauma-informed practices. Yes. Um, Then disrupting the effects of trauma, school-based mental health supports K-12 students. That's on Tuesday. Wednesday is by far one I am looking most forward to. It is a student panel. And so... Those are my favorites. Yes. So Agreed. I,
1: uh, I... so when we 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 haven't had equity conference for a while in Uh this district but was it two years ago we had a student panel from orange grove and that still to this day was my favorite part of that conference when we heard from kids and then when they would say they would give their real feedback on what worked for them and what didn't Mm
3: -hmm. and so they're talking about their thoughts and experiences related to mental health during the pandemic and how they're getting through it. So you get to hear from students and that is the best thing to hear from Mm -hmm. on ways that we can help and what they're going through. This last year um, that I know we've done at Centennial is really bringing our students when we're talking about mental health and social emotional well being. So asking them, what do you need? How can Mm -hmm. we help? And then listening to their ideas and then we're just there as the facilitators to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And so for Student Mental Health Week, as educators, that's what you can do. You can ask your students what what ideas do you have? We wanna celebrate this week, we wanna really put a focus on it, mm-hmm. and how can we help student mental health? And so the resources are there, but you can evolve it in any way you want. So on Wednesday, like I said, there's gonna be that and then So
1: we the student panel, how were these yeah. students chosen?
3: They're part of the ACLU Youth Liberty Squad. Oh. So they're they are movers and shakers in their okay. own. Okay. Um, they're up and, and comers advocates. they Very are cool. up and comers they are amazing advocates who speaks so
0: eloquently. The next Alexis Goddard and Josh yep. Godinez of the world. You
1: totally to. <laughs> the next treasurer of your school. Yeah. And they're
3: going to be voted um, most likely to become president, too. We'll yeah. see yeah. what they president of. <laughs> so they're really going to be focusing on their their feelings around chronic stress and how to support student mental health and what mm-hmm. they're going through. So you really get to hear from the source on how we can help kids. So I'm really looking forward to that. And if that you know, pulls at your heartstrings, which mm-hmm. I know it will for mine, you can join us for Wellness Wednesday after, which the Outreach and Engagement Committee is putting on three different breakout sessions on mindfulness, uh, yoga, and glitter jars. So you're going to be able to come as an educator and take care of your own mental health because we know how important that is. We are ending the week with Thursday, having a workshop specifically for parents and um, caregivers on understanding and responding to your child's mental health need in time of COVID. And so we have educators from all three levels, elementary, middle, and high school. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just want to say our very own Sarah Hainsworth from Corona Norco is on that panel. Our school counselors who have really put value into supporting student mental health and really understand for our the middle school we have our california school counselor of the year on the panel alma lopez who works in the central valley Mm -hmm. and then our high school uh panelist is dr lauren ditmar so he works in simi valley at a high so a fantastic panel to really help parents support their students because we know in this time it is different than we've ever experienced Mm -hmm. and then we end the week with trust in the antidote creating welcoming school atmosphere that allows for healing and learning to happen naturally so we're really trying to support our educators with professional development our parents with um, their own professional development and then really listening to our students through the week with all of our professional development opportunities and workshops but then we have all the resources for you guys to go yes. out and celebrate Student Mental Health Week and really shine a light on a very, very needed area for our students. Thank what you. I
0: love about this, it is so comprehensive. Yeah, I was like, whoa, that's a no, lot. And it
3: <laughs> But, <laughs> I do it but all. what I like, it's like student
0: mental health, but you're tapping every stakeholder group. Absolutely. I mean, you've got the parents, the educators, the counselors, the students. Everybody can get something
3: out of it that ultimate all points back to the students. Yeah, we're all in this to help students. Yes. And for so California Student Mental Health Week, its we have Spirit Weeks on there, and then we yes. have ways you can celebrate, but we really want to educate Yes, and help educate everybody that this is so important.
0: Thank you, I know how much work it is. So, like the amount of resources, nobody can say that they didn't have the resources or a place to go to because the website, it's amazing and we'll make sure we link it to such a one because mental health can
1: be a barrier yes yeah and and on
3: the website it's covid19k12counseling.org And there is, under Mental Health, the Student Mental Health Week. But on this website, we have resources for reopening schools for every grade level, elementary You guys have done so
0: much work. like, like, Because I started at the mental health one, then I started, you know, you start exploring, oh, what's this
2: tab? Oh, what's this tab? So the nice part, too, is is we keep it up to date. This is a true collaboration by school counselors statewide. So, we are just representative well, and, of an entire team.
3: Well, and it's not just statewide, can, it's all the way to Wisconsin. We well, and we it.
2: have partners in Wisconsin. And the beauty is because we can track it behind the scenes, uh-huh. we can tell you that this is being used across every continent in the world. And we see dots exactly. everywhere. So, to think that worldwide, oh, wait. That worldwide. Your
0: prestige worldwide. worldwide. Prestige worldwide. <laughs>
2: But, but to think you know, <laughs> that a lesson that I generated for Centennial High School that we're delivering in a classroom for Tier 1 the core curriculum is also being Asia. delivered. <laughs> in, right or.
1: So some of this is layering for me because I was lucky enough to have a lot of leadership training, typically mostly in high school. To me, layered with leadership is managing your mental health. And we've never really pointed that out. And in Leader In Me, the number one kind of pillar that you learn is lead yourself. Mental health on how also you're a more effective leader because you have you to, have manage, to. Your yeah. you have to manage your stress and you have to manage your you yeah without,
2: well, and if you don't take care of yourself how are you any good to anybody mm-hmm. else
3: and it's it's honestly it, it's a skill our students need when we think about mental health we shouldn't be thinking that as like oh something we're adding on Mental health and taking care of your mental health is a college and career skill mm-hmm. when kids go out into the world of work they're gonna have to understand how to take care of themselves yeah. And we need to instill that early on, all the way when they're younger and making sure we're repeating it and showing them different ways to support it. And that's why we have approached it from K-12 because it needs to be an effort that we're all putting in because when, when they become adults, we want them to be the best adults possible
2: and we're seeing that california is understanding it and i'll just give you some quick facts 15.3 billion in assistance to california's k-12 schools from the american rescue plan 6.6 billion appropriated by gavin newsom and the legislator to help uh, districts recover from the pandemic and 750 million proposed in the governor's budget to support student mental health specifically in schools Mm -hmm. so now more than ever, we have the opportunity to take this moment in time and make mental health an issue that we embed in our school systems and keep it sustainable for the long term.
0: What I always think is, but it has always been, nobody wanted to talk about mental health because it was always, they had that stigma stigma of the negative. It It was a negative thing. We're not going to talk about it. But- It can't, it's a growth mindset thing. Mm -hmm. We have to change the mindset on it. Even people who you think have the most positive mental health, everybody has those demons, everybody has those struggles, and just because they don't show it on their face, everybody is fighting something every day. Absolutely. Well, and you know,
3: when you're talking about breaking the stigma, that's actually the topic of one of our middle school lessons is breaking the stigma. <laughs> there you go. And so even in it, like we have all the way down to kinder and first is what is mental health, separate, yeah. second and third, defining it. Mm-hmm. And then fourth and fifth is mental health and managing emotions. Yes. Because your mental health is part of your emotional Absolutely. Health. And when you're younger, yeah. learning how to manage that is so important. And so and then in middle school, we have Breaking the Stigma and Personal Plan for Self-Care, showing students all the different ways that they th- can take care of themselves. And then high school, understanding and managing our emotion mo- emotions and stress management. So I think yeah. it's really tons of resources available to really make it your own.
2: So get this. I am honored to be on the California Mental Health Coalition as a committee member. And this is a partnership through the Department of Ed, led by Dr. Daniel Lee, who's one of our uh, California deputy superintendents, between the school-based mental health professionals, so you're talking your school psychs, your Mm -hmm. school social workers, your school counselors, and your school nurses, and our community-based partners. Mm -hmm. And we are finally getting an office in the Department of Ed called the Office of Integrated Care and Student Support Services. This is a first for the, California.
0: Oh, the California Department a, of Ed.
2: This is the California Department okay. of Ed. So, to be in on the ground floor to help the development of the department and the website, so that we make sure that mental health doesn't go away,
1: yeah.
2: is something that we are taking not only as a responsibility, but as a true investment in our yes. students. For generations to come, so we hope that as you see the website develop, people go to it because it will help define now going back to what I experienced, what brought me into advocacy ten years ago. Yeah, what a school counselor does mm-hmm. and the impact a school counselor can have and a school counseling program can have if it is run effectively through what we call the ASCA national model, which is a whole nother podcast, but um, <laughs> but an effective school counseling program yeah. changes lives.
0: I love hearing that, that our state recognizes it, and hopefully the federal will eventually recognize it, because one of my biggest fears is, and I know it won't happen because of your advocacy and your passion for it in yours, Alexis, That it's just going to go away. Like, when the masks come off and everything's back to what we consider normal, it's like, okay, business as usual. And that is my biggest fear, just not mental health, so many other levels within education. But the fact that there's now going to be a department and people like you guys are involved
2: in the development.
0: Because
2: I can speak firsthand about testifying. I testify in Sacramento on this when I see things coming out and not that grants don't have a place. Great. But grants are one-time funding, yes. and so yeah, they
1: can be a good jump start, but they don't sustain. Well, and yeah.
2: where is the accountability or the program vision? And and again, the, there are grants that are coming out with this, but we continue to push that message. Thank you, and this will help. But is this the most effective use of money for sustainability? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can tell you because I've said it myself in numerous commission meetings on the Hill up there.
1: Right. Yeah. And what I think, I've heard it said multiple times. I just heard it said at the baseball field the other day that our kids are not resilient anymore. Our kids are not resilient, and I hear it a lot. And what I was really reflecting on it and thinking about all the things, I think we, uh, the fruits of our labor now are we are producing kids that are more empathetic. Mm -hmm. And so now what we're seeing is they are so good at being empathetic. This is just like totally Dana's hypothesis that sometimes they don't know how to deal with the empathy. Like they own the pain. Yeah, and you know what I'm saying. And, they and they don't don't so then, do then they don't know what to do with it. And Not
3: for coping skills. Exactly. Comes in. <laughs> and
1: I I do really feel in my heart of hearts that the youth now, because we saw in our society that we needed more empathy in our in our educational system we needed it in our kids and that we've actually done a good job and now we're seeing whoa they're so empathetic that they are having a hard time not owning the pain, coping with the pain, not taking it on—someone else's pain on as their own—all these different things, right? Like you can just go down the list. So
2: imagine this, and this is my vision, and, and it will take a lot longer than the time that I have, you know, in the positions that I'm in. But imagine a school one day where social emotional learning is part of your warm ups mm-hmm. in your classrooms. Your school counseling team delivers core curriculum that teaches coping and academic achievement and how to foster post-secondary goals and then continues to support in a Tier 2 model for students who need a little bit more when it comes to learning coping skills and then the Tier 3 support where they Mm -hmm. effectively walk with the student to help with IEPs, SSTs, 504s and passing off to community-based partners if we need the intensive support That is the vision that we have for California schools. Uh And that is the momentum that we see moving us forward. So we're hoping and we continue to message that that is where we want to go because you've got to Maslow before you bloom. And we hear it over and over again. But have we truly understood it as a system pre-pandemic? I think we understand it so much more now than we ever right. did because of what we've been through in the last 14 months.
3: And how it fits yeah. so well under the MTSS. Oh. And the thing is, if you if you really are have a strong tier one, if you put those into yeah. place right away, if you have a counselor delivering those core curriculum and it's K-12, you see the outcomes. I worked yeah. at a school when we didn't have an elementary counselor um, when I was in middle school and then uh, I, for four years after when we did. And I saw students actually coming yeah. in a couple years after right. having them prior and being able to say, what is a coping skill? And they could recognize, they could tell me what they used. And at the beginning, when we didn't have those elementary counselors, it was hard because they didn't even know what to say. Like, I don't know. I just cried. And it's like, well, call it, that's not a coping skill. Let's look, let's look at ways we can make you feel better. But if kids understand that and that's just a part of their day they will thrive and they'll understand and then you can add the other layers of tier two like okay this tier one isn't working let's see what else we can do to help you
1: right so i'm thinking practicality here so i'm a teacher and i have a kid actually this could be even considered a real example right now that normally does very well you look at their academic history and they I mean academically let's just say because we don't really know the kid that well and then they're in your class this year and you've tried to get in touch with them all year long and now that school's actually back physically this is the first time you've seen the kid they're all of a sudden showing up but they're still not doing well and then you try to reach out to the family and the family blames it on you you're the teacher right you're not doing enough and you're like man i've been trying to reach out to this so for me i'm like there's got to be some mental health stuff going on there right but i don't know if every teacher thinks like that Mm -hmm. not yet do you know what i'm saying and so i I love that answer right not yet so
3: knowing who the student is knowing their story talking to them, not making it just about that that alone can Build the relationship where they want yeah. to invest in your class. So that was yeah. what I was going to
0: say, okay, great. You reach, you tried to reach out to the parent because a lot of these disengaged kiddos, mm-hmm. you're, you're not getting yeah. that parent contact. But yeah. when, now that they are showing up on our campuses, what are you doing to connect with mm-hmm. them? Yeah, well, how are you getting their story? Just like we talked
2: about technology over the last, you know, that, that we've progressed 15 years in technological advancement, I feel like we're there. As educators too, to say, how do I work with students? You know, mm-hmm. how do I look at the student and be able to understand their story first and academics mm-hmm. second? Because once they know that I understand and care about them, and we've said it, but people are eager now to learn how to yeah. do it, going through what we've been through, and that's where that not yet comes from.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, but I, was, I I would I would even play devil's advocate though because. Even teachers that are really good connectors, kids are not opening up to them. And they're trying and trying and trying. Like, it is just such a weird time well, and, right now. But it's, it's trauma. Trauma takes time. Exactly.
0: And yeah. you, you, you might need that next yeah. level of
3: support. Right. Here comes our amazing school counselors. Yes. yes. You know? well, and the thing is that some kids haven't been, been engaged all year. Yeah. They haven't turned it on. They mm-hmm. So coming into, and like, I have students who literally were at home in their room. And to spend a year of no contact. 14 months of nothing. Then it's really hard to adjust. Mm -hmm. And so you just have to keep giving them time, giving them space, and letting them know you're not going to go anywhere. You care about them. And those efforts, it'll come, but it's the trauma they're enduring. And if you see it as a teacher, if you see a student that something is going on more you can refer to the school yeah. counselor. They can take the time to sit down, and ask those. And questions.
2: let me share something because I think it's helping people understand that the school counselor, the school counselor, is <laughs> is trained to be. She's heard this a million times. That's right. I'm like, like you're sure ruining you my, thunder you don't steal my thunder
3: election. Right? I got excited. <laughs>
2: So the school counselor is a mental health specialist. That's part of the two years that we spend in intensive study. But people say, but you're not therapists. And no, we're not therapists. So the best analogy that I give people to understand it is when you get a cut, you go into the store and you go down aisle three and you pick up the ointment and you put that ointment on. And in one to three days, that cut's healed. You're good. But what if that cut isn't healed? What if that cut gets infected? Mm-hmm. Now you need the specialist. Now you need the doctor and the pharmacist to yes. give you the antibiotic. So, school counselors do short term therapeutic models that help students get through things. And we know through MTSS, mm-hmm. we end up reaching 95 through 99% mm-hmm. of our kids through that. Yeah. You need your uh, community-based partners for that 1% to 5% yes. to yeah. be the specialist. Right. So that's how we help people understand but saw, we they've are also been
1: identified and they don't fall through the cracks. Yes. Right.
2: We and are, we are the school-based yeah. mental health professionals. Yes. Yeah and we have to understand that we're here
3: the knowing who your students are can make such a difference yes. as a which counselor. is the same for your yeah. job absolutely yeah. if you How know many the kids kid. you
1: have right now yeah. Yeah. on March your
3: 25. well was in the classroom Every week, built relationships with kids, and this was a middle because school. Because you were intentional yes. to do it, I, right. had, I planned yes. my time. I used MTSS. I was intentional, so a lot of my efforts went into that tier one. You used and, data, yes. and data and a systematic
0: approach. To yeah, you identified. And then kids. You're able to
3: yes. identify those yeah. tier two and what you need to do for right. those kids. But, again, but every kid knew who I was, yeah. so I always think of it as a shift of well, a mindset. You know, a growth mindset, changing your yeah. mindset. You and, can. Well, and the thing is, is that when you have effective school counseling, and when you show it, and when your data data is very clear, people want to invest. They were like, "Well, if we have one of you, what can we do it too? What yeah, can we do more?" Absolutely. When you have a lower ratio, you can do more. Yeah, you can right. ma- build those relationships more. But if if you have a high ratio, which California does make sure you're spending your time intentionally to reach students to let them know that you're there so every student using a screener i love that that intentionality and then then we'll get to the point and josh knows i am a huge advocate for school counselors here in corona norco i i pushed um, the last two middle schools and we went from 1.5 to two counselors because of the data i So that is the power of data. Yes. You're intentional with your interventions. Yes. You can help kids, and then they're like, "Let's let's have yeah. more people." And here's how I can do more. Mm-hmm. To
1: I... me, it's just like in really simplistic forms, because some people are intimidated by data. It's what's working and what's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, yeah. where do you want to put all your eggs? Yeah, in the basket that's working or the basket that's not. I can talk
3: that <laughs> forever. Yeah, <laughs> For forever. Uh, I, I it's funny because when Josh was saying about <laughs> cutting all their counselors. I was a grad student during that time, and I went and protested when all the counselors were getting cut. <laughs> so, but I graduated. So we were all
2: in the same yeah. space yeah. at the at same some, time. And I and probably
3: was there. Yeah, I, and I was there. Yeah. and That's um, funny. We didn't but know each other. I graduated during that time. So I have always lived and breathed, like, I will show my value because I never yeah. want to get cut. Yeah.
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I appreciate... Alexis, thank you for coming and joining yeah. Um I appreciate... I, we thank didn't you get, for letting me pass the part. <laughs> we didn't get one. We got two <laughs> to talk, you know, an extremely important piece. Very with, important
1: topic. With student mental And very health. timely. Yes. <laughs> very timely, just like our last guest, yes. Dr. Tompkins. Very yes. timely conversation, this one yeah. as, as well. One thing I do want to touch, we always promote a charity. Josh,
0: your charity of choice is the Susan G. Komen um, Breast Cancer Foundation. Why did you pick that charity?
2: So (laughs) throughout my teaching career and working with peer counselors, I always believed in three pillars. It was one-on-one support, school-wide support, and civic engagement, and I wanted to make sure that every one of my peer counselors walked out with that. In our time together, we really invested in Relay for Life and supporting that event, raising money, walking, and then volunteering at the event to make sure that Mm -hmm. they had help. A couple of years ago, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer and didn't win the battle, so it was a full circle moment, and it's something that I never want any other family to ever have to endure.
1: Yeah, I never met more, your mom We know more about it now than we <laughs> ever have And a lot of it is from yeah. those donated funds Absolutely, Like the, uh, identifying the BRCA gene and, and how people can be Screened yeah. for it now And now also if it runs in your family You can Qualify for services Yeah, And I mean that's re- this That's all within the last 10 years And that's, that, that's why we all. cannot and give it's, up mm-hmm, yes. And it's all been I'm pretty sure I was just kind of researching it on my own that it was a lot of it was due to donated funds yeah yeah so we'll
3: we'll
0: put a link we'd like to close out with a few rapid fire questions for you for fun for fun did
2: she get some too <laughs>
0: oh we can throw yeah, some yeah come in. on
2: now yeah all <laughs> right
0: so i'll do rapid fire and you both can answer so okay. it's the first thing that comes to your mind right, yes goes. okay about so it so don't please. don't think about it just it's got to be the first thing that comes to your mind how many hours of sleep do you need at night
2: Five. Four.
3: <laughs> holy. What? How? If I really have to push it. I worked at st- If I, I really have push to push it, I'll go you five.
1: Banco? a solid. Dude, eight.
3: I'm like an eight niner, man. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't <laughs> holy. How do you function as a human being? That, <laughs> that's only like if I really have to punch it, push it. Like, okay, I can do it. Um, yeah. Five is, but five to six is my ideal. Wow. But yeah, if I, same here. I, yeah, no, that's. You guys. We, we,
2: we have too like, much to do to be sleeping. So
3: what I, are you doing,
2: Dr. To, Bacon? Oh, you don't want I to
3: <laughs> I feel like all the Huskies are like
0: that. <laughs>
1: like that too. Oh sure. yeah. We 30, 30 minutes of sleep.
0: You know? yeah. I,
3: I think she does woman. one
2: eye at a time. Yes. You know? I, I,
3: lived yeah. I lived with that woman <laughs> and no, I think she's three. Well, I also have two children, so that's part of why I say four.
0: Favorite pizza topping, pepperoni. Sausage. What song, no matter where it's played, <laughs> you just gotta
3: like rock out. <laughs> oh, or we'll get Swam you dancing. Whoa, he was quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, that just brought to mind "Bitty Bitty Bomb Bomb" by. <laughs> <laughs> like, that just like right there. <laughs> or 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 I will say Mariah Carey. Anything by Mariah Anything Carey. Anything Mariah. Yeah, that's she's one you guys just gotta she's go kinda, for. Yeah, yeah
0: she yeah. is. she is Favorite dessert?
2: Oh, because you can't pick pie. one. Yeah,
0: I was like, <laughs> I know
2: I have too many. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs>
0: banana cream pie? That's a good. That's a good call. Mm, creme brulee. Creme brulee. Oh, two good calls. Favorite holiday?
2: Christmas. <sighs> yeah.
3: Yeah, I was like, I love this. Oh, it's my favorite too. I go all out. The whole house is decorated. It's like changes, and my husband's like, "What are you doing?" Followed (laughs)
2: closely by Halloween, though. I do love me some Halloween. All right,
3: sitcom. If you could be on a sitcom,
2: Modern Family.
3: That's Uh, a great one. I would say Parks and Rec. I love me some Leslie Knope. (laughs) Nice. Last one. Cat or dog?
0: Dog. 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 I'm dog.
3: What are I you, haven't
1: what are you, dog. Are you dog? But I grew up with a cat sleeping on my head. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that's your why head. you're not a cat yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I really could go either way. And for our next episode, a cat Dana person.
2: talks about the cat on her head. <laughs> cat <laughs> <Tune> drama. <in. laughs>
0: okay. Actually, Alexis, for up-and-coming educational leaders, whatever whether it's a counselor leader, teacher teacher, leader, administrator, any type of leader, what one advice would you give? Security
3: guard, don't give up. Don't Don't, you can't give up because sometimes you know in education, I think we have people who want to stay in what they've done, and you you just because somebody turns you down, you can't give up, and just because somebody says. Oh, it's your first year or, or you're new here. I, because I graduated during the recession, I worked at a lot of different schools. So I've been the new kid a lot. And it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If you have a good idea, just don't give up and keep pushing yeah. until you get it done. Josh, your leadership advice?
2: I would say make sure people know your story. Because you matter and your experience matters. Mm -hmm. And always advocate for things that you're passionate about in life.
1: Look at that. Drop the mic. I know, right? Yeah. Oh, yay. All right. Well, thank you for being here.
0: If you like that episode, don't forget to give us a five-star rating. We will do a happy dance every time that happens. Find new episodes every two weeks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get
1: your podcasts. We want to interact with our listeners. Engage with us on our website, barriers to bridges pod.simplecast.com, where you can also find our social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or email us at barriers to BridgesPod at gmail.com. Have a fabulous day overcoming barriers
0: and building those bridges.
3: This episode was co-produced by Melissa Baco and Dana Barron. My mom, Dana Barron, did all of the editing. Thank you for listening.